with your boy Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. You can follow me on Instagram and the Twitter at Josh M. Hicks Media. A little bit of a shorter show for you guys this week, but it's all good because it's with family. I got one of my guys on the show. He's been with me from, from the day one, one of those day one brothers, and he's looked out for me ever since, man. He's a host at Stadium. Got to give it up for my guy, Cameron Smith. Cameron, my guy, how you doing? I'm good, man. It's good to be back, Josh. I appreciate you opening the doors and rolling out the red carpet for me every time I join the show, man. I know we always have some good conversations, especially when we're talking Bulls, but just basketball in general. And I know that uh, it's going to be fun. Another fun one that we're going to have tonight. Oh, yeah, most definitely, man. Just glad you're able to. I'm glad you accept my invitation so I can roll up the carpet for you, man, because you well deserve it, especially with uh, you doing more full, more things at Stadium, man. That's for real, for real. I know I already congratulated you before, but for real, that's big time. And I'm happy for you. Congrats. I appreciate that, bro. That means a lot, man. It's been a journey. So to, to reach this point and be able to stay in Chicago and still be that visible face um, in the city, especially for a lot of kids that's coming up that might have some kind of interest in getting into sports broadcasting or sports journalism, it means a lot, man. So I just, I view myself as a vessel. And an example, so uh, if anybody can kind of take anything from, from my journey and if I can impart any kind of wisdom, <laughs> and I'm making myself sound smarter than I am, but if I can help you along your way, man, I'm always here. So I think it's important. And it's, it was meant to be for me to stay in Chicago and to be here uh, with Stadium and doing some great things there and the great shows that we have lined up that's coming up later on in the month of January. Most definitely, man. I know you're a busy man. Time's, time's not always on our side. Let's go around, so we're going to make the most of it. Jump right into the Bulls, man. They got annihilated last night. Yeah. <laughs> they got annihilated by this Nets team. And the crazy part for me was the fact that um, Kyrie, even though Kyrie played, just the impact Kyrie has, because he only had nine points. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he was on the floor with James Harden and Kevin Durant really kind of put the Bulls in a stuck position defensively to monitor all those guys, especially since defensively you're really um, in a hole because – you, lost, you, don't, you don't have uh, Javante Green back. You don't have Alex Caruso back. You don't have Tyler Cook back. And you just lost Derrick Jones Jr. in the first play of the game to a knee injury. Like, what was your thoughts watching that Bulls game? And, and for me personally and for our audience, do you really think it's a panic mode for the Bulls, considering that this is a loss against a really good team? Well, let me answer that last question first, because I don't want Bulls fans to go crazy and think that they should press the panic button and the season is over and this team has been posing as this, this really good team and one of the best in the NBA. And like that, all of that is, is cap. Like that, don't push the panic button. These type of losses are going to happen. But with that said, right, you expect to drop some games against some of the better teams in the NBA, but it's how they lost the game at home against Brooklyn. And remember the Bulls won the first two games against the Nets, but of course they didn't have Kyrie. They weren't the same Nets team. Kevin Durant, James Harden really weren't kind of clicking like they are now um, as a unit on the floor, but then also individually. So now you add Kyrie into that mix 
as they did the other night at the United Center, it just sets for another dynamic, right? And that's going to draw attention of the defense for the Bulls because you have three future Hall of Famers on the court and Kyrie James Harden and Kevin Durant that can do so much with the basketball in so many different areas. Like they're just, they're not limited to one area or one position on the floor. Like they can both knock down, all three of them can knock down jump shots. They can get to the rack. They got a pull-up game. They got a floater game. Like their bag is heavy as hell. So that's going to draw the attention. Now you brought up the fact that Kyrie struggled. That's true. But I think a lot of what Steve Nash was trying to do was build that chemistry with Kyrie, Katie, and James Harden on the court. So remember last year, they only had a handful of games. I think I want to say eight that they played together last season before James Harden went down for injury. Of course, Kyrie went out for injury as well. And Kevin Durant is going to miss his time uh, throughout the regular season too. But this is more about the chemistry that Steve Nash is trying to grow with that three-headed monster that he has. And it just makes it even better that they have those role players that have stepped up last night too. Patty Mills is being the Patty Mills that we see during the Olympics, like not San Antonio Patty Mills, not whatever destination he's been at before, not even St. Mary's Patty Mills. He's been Australian Olympic team Patty Mills. And if you know that Patty Mills, you know he gets buckets. And that's what he is and has been all season for Brooklyn because they have Joe Harris out who's been out uh, since November with that ankle surgery. So he's not gonna be back until maybe the springtime right before the regular season ends. We'll see how his, how he goes uh, progress wise with his health. But this is a team again that are adding pieces that are really trying to uh, build the confidence and build the camaraderie of guys like Patty Mills or even a Dayron Sharp that we saw last night that was playing the starter for the Brooklyn Nets because Nick Claxton was out, right? So all of these pieces are going to be important for Steve, Steve Nash's group to really support their main guys and Katie, James Harden, and Kyrie. So I wasn't too concerned if I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan or if I'm Steve Nash about Kyrie's struggles offensively. He started to get things going a little bit here and there. But again, what we start to see more from Kyrie is how he works and how he operates in tandem with the James Harden when KD is on the bench or vice versa with KD um, out there with Kyrie and James Harden on the bench. So that's something just to kind of keep in mind on that aspect. But let's get to the main conversation and talk about these Bulls, man. The first half was, and I even sent this tweet out, I said that this is an example of what a Bulls-Nets series could be in the playoffs and the elite level that we saw both teams playing now bulls are kind of chasing brooklyn throughout but that does that that differential that point differential wasn't far off i think it was maybe by a couple of points um if i remember correctly so it wasn't that far as we saw in the second half second half came and i don't know what bulls team walked out of the locker room what was said in the locker room I'm sure I'm not, not going to disrespect Billy Donovan and his messages to the team, but I'm sure that he probably told those guys in terms of like kind of adjustments that they need to make, just kind of do that, keep the same energy, play with the passion. We're at home. This is Brooklyn. They know that we've beaten these guys two times in a row. They got their three-headed monster back. Let's try and make a statement. And it's basketball. Like that's what's going to happen. Like other teams, especially visiting teams, are going to go on runs coming out for the second half, and that's what Brooklyn did. But what's more surprising is how, one, the Bulls' offense just stalled, right? We saw a lot more one-on-one -on -one from Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and that really slowed things down because what we saw in the first half and what we're typically uh, or typically have seen from this Bulls team throughout the regular season 
is good ball movement, guys cutting baselines, back screens, down screens, all of those things. The flow of their offense is a lot more smoother, which allows Zach or even DeMar, as we've seen DeMar just go crazy all season long. And we might get into this conversation, but he should be top five in the MVP uh, race. And that's just my opinion. And it should be a lot more people's opinion because um, they're throwing a lot of shade at DeMar for reasons. I don't know why, but um, it's one of those things offensively that we saw uh, this team be that we've never seen before in the regular season. Like, yeah, they've lost games, but they haven't lost games in a second half to the magnitude that they did the other night against the Brooklyn Nets. So um, those things need to be shored up. Um, but more specifically, it has to deal when you're matched with a team like Brooklyn, where they're trying to make a statement. And even from some of the reports that I've read, they came in mentality wise wanting to make a statement in Chicago, knowing that this could possibly be a playoff series, you have to be ready for those games, right? You're not going to get the same calls you would get if you're playing, you know, like a Detroit, like they did the other night, and they whooped them by like 45, 46 points, right? That's going to be a free-flowing game. That's not going to be as tight as intense. So you have a 9 o'clock start. You have a packed United Center that holds 20,000. You have air, all the eyes from the East Coast, from the West Coast, because it's a 9 o'clock start, so everybody on the West Coast can watch this game. They're off of work. They've had happy hour, hour already. They're at home. <laughs> so they want to get a taste of what this Bulls team is. So you have all of those extra eyeballs on you, and that kind of just – it puts you in a different spot. Now, I know these guys are professionals. They've been through so many situations um, playing in different games and, and with different magnitudes attached to it. But this was their first test as the target, right? For so many years, other than really, and you got to say, you got to throw the Derrick Rose years in there too. But since the Jordan years, this is the first time that this Bulls team has had a target on their back, yeah. right? Even with the D Rose years. LeBron was still alive. LeBron was still LeBron, right? With the Miami Heat team, with Cleveland, like they still were that team. So it's been decades since they've had that type of target and they just have to adjust to it. So what's interesting is how they respond, right? So they have Golden State coming up Friday night. Yep. Then you have Boston on the road Saturday night. Monday, you have the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis for Martin Luther King Day. We know the NBA does a phenomenal job of paying tribute to the honor of Dr. Martin Luther King. Then after that, you come back home, you think you're going to get a rest game, like maybe Sacramento comes to town or, or maybe uh, uh, who's another team that's kind of out there, Oklahoma City. Like, you know, those teams where you think you might get a rest. No, you don't get them. You get the Cleveland Cavaliers, who they have an all-star in Darius Garland. He should yeah. be an all-star. You have Jared Allen. You can make the case that should be an all-star. Evan Mobley is rookie of the year. No, it's nobody else's race. It's Evan Mobley's race. So you have that Cavs team waiting for you when you come back home. And then, oh, you got to go back on the road after that game and play the Milwaukee Bucks, another team that <laughs> is right there at the top and they're the defending NBA champions. So it doesn't get e any easier for this team. Um, and that was my concern after that Dallas loss on Sunday, knowing the schedule that they had coming up with Detroit at home, they handled Detroit easily. Like that was basically a glorified pickup game when you look at how things played out there. But then it got real because you had Brooklyn at home, Golden State at home, you're going yeah. on the road for with, with Boston. Then you go to Memphis. Now you're coming back home for Cleveland. Then you have to go to Milwaukee. And Milwaukee starts off a three-game road swing for them. So they have a couple of more road games. I think Orlando's in that mix as well uh, for those three road games. So this will really test them. And this is what the regular season is about, is about tests 
for the playoffs. So it's about, I, I really want to see how they respond. We've seen it before. Like they had the West coast trip, they beat the Clippers, they beat the Lakers, something that hadn't been done in, in a minute, right? They have success there, but you're going to get tested again. And this is just the NBA because it's a long season. So that's where my mind goes to see how they finish out this next stretch of games. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to host of sta a stadium host, Cameron Smith. Cam, um, obviously, th there's been rumors, reports popping out about how the Bulls are maybe willing to give up Kobe White. And maybe they're looking to the trade deadline to see if potentially they can make some moves to boost this roster. Um, what would you do if you were Arturis Carnesivis and Mark Eversley in those front office seats? Who would you choose as someone that's potentially a target to go after to boost your, your roster? Because for me personally, I think you should, I, I think honestly, Kobe White is fine exactly where he is right now. This is the best position he's going to be on this Bulls roster. Right, and he's performing right. very well right now. So I, I wouldn't trade him per se because he could be a key factor come playoff time. But at the same time, you know, you do have potential. You need help in the big men department. Right. And without Vooch, you know, you're, you're, you're starting. You're, I mean, Tony Bradley's, you know, he's good for as a reserve, but you need more. You need a boost to that front court. And, or you need a boost to that set as a, from the wing, maybe you need to get like another 3 and D guy who could potentially boost or maybe even that second unit. Or if, God forbid, anyone from one of our starters get hurt from that wing position, you got a solid backup option. I was think I think maybe like a Robert Covington could be ideal for uh, for the Chicago Bulls, but you know you got to see if they're willing to play that role, or even maybe even if you're looking for like a Harrison Barnes type. Um, mm -hmm. I think they, those two options could be very valuable for the Bulls, and you could still potentially have an extra roster spot for the buyout market um, when that comes in March. What, what do you think are the best moves for the Bulls to do right now if they're trying to boost this roster to be a championship contender? Listen, I always compared uh, Arturo Stanchovic as Michael Corleone from The Godfather. Like, he's always stoic, stone-faced. He never really shows any true emotion. You never know. And if, you, if you're a Godfather fan, you know that Michael Corleone never showed his hand, meaning that he never kind of revealed his, his, his plans, or you never see Sham Sharania having some kind of word tweets or reports out there that, hey, the Bulls are potentially targeting this player, that player, like it's all kept in house. So uh, what they're doing, him, Mark Eversley, and just that whole entire front office, I'm sure they have a list of guys that they're trying to target. And my guess would be in the front court, because that's one of the more desperate needs that they have. And we saw it last night with Nikola Vucevic, right? I mean, whenever he's put in ball screen situations, he's very, very lacking in his recovery and his closeouts. Of course, when it's the little on guard, or excuse me, the little on big matchup, he loses that matchup. And that's what it should be. That's why you put littles on bigs when it comes to ball screens, put them in those situations. That, that was more evident this past Sunday when the Bulls played the Mavericks in Dallas, right? It felt like every single play Vooch was in those pick and roll situations and they forced him to switch and he just couldn't either one recover when the ball got kicked out to the screener or he was just in dead water when he went up against a guard like Jalen Brunson or Luka Doncic and Luka is going to win majority of that time anytime he's matched up or has a mismatch on his hands so I think that they try and target somebody from the front court who they give up 
is a good question because who, whoever you're going to get, if you're talking about trading someone, you're going to have to give up those pieces. I know Kobe White's name has been involved in some things in terms of, yeah, he will be a good piece. Not saying that um, those are the reports that I'm hearing, but still you have to look and see what Kobe White has been able to do since he's come back this season. Remember he missed a lot of time because he had shoulder surgery. So it's going to take a guy like him to kind of get back into the swing of things and understand what his role is. So credit Ayo Dosumu because he really lit a fire yeah. under Kobe White's ass and let him know like, bro, if you're not coming back and playing defense one, you're not getting any minutes. And I'm sure along some words or lines, Billy Donovan and maybe the Bulls front office um, let Kobe White know that like, look, this young dude, this rookie Dosumo is hooping, especially defensively. So if you're not locked in there, I don't care what you were built as coming out of North Carolina as a score. We haven't seen that consistently in the NBA. So what we have now in our makeup of our team, we're good right now. So it's really up to you to prove to us, one, if you want to be in this rotation, and then two, if you want to be here, right? And I think the Bulls are in a great position because if they do decide to trade Kobe White, his value is high because he's playing really good basketball. But more importantly, on the defensive end, you're seeing a more engaged Kobe White off the ball. On the ball, he's doing a little bit of better job of uh, – staying in front of ball handlers and steering them into his help. But off the ball, he's more aware. And I can see it now, even if his guy gives up the ball and cuts through the lane, you can see Kobe as his man goes over to the weak side and that ball is on the strong side. His head is whipping around and on a swivel and making sure that he's seeing what's going on around him and he's talking more. So credit to Kobe White on, on, on raising his, his game uh, defensively. And that's very important. But I think if they do move somebody, it probably will be Kobe White to, to package him up um, along with another guy. Was a, a Bulls have a plethora of guards in their stable, right? I mean, guys that could come off the bench and do some things. So um, you're talking about maybe a Matt Thomas, right? If they want to keep him, right? Like they have, they have really good pieces where you can say, Man, the trade deadline comes in like, man, I'm surprised the Bulls didn't make any moves. But then when I think about it, they really didn't have to make any moves, right? Um, they could go that route, right, and just say 10 toes down and stand with what they have. But the more glaring position and group is going to be that front court as we continue to get closer to the trade deadline. If Vooch, if Tony Bradley, now Derrick Jones Jr. is out with that knee bruise, so he's going to be out four to six weeks. So they're a little bit thin in that group because you know when they go small ball, Derrick Jones Jr. is either playing the fours, maybe even sometimes the five. So that's something, again, as we get closer to the trade deadline to try and keep an eye on because if it continues to deteriorate and the Bulls start losing even more games, Right. It's going to be a situation for uh, Karnaschovas and Eversley to make a move and change some things around with that front front court. So the past three games, the Bulls are one and, are, are uh, one and two. So they, they got to get something going and switched around because they don't want to, again, continue to go on this stretch with Brooklyn, with Miami now, who stepped up and yeah. raised their game in the east. Milwaukee, Philly isn't too far off. And Joel, Joel Embiid has been a man this season. Those teams are in striking distance. It's not like the Bulls have a 10-game lead in the East. Let's keep it a buck. That's not the case. They're in striking distance and with the arm's reach of those teams that I just mentioned. So it's something to keep an eye on, as I said before. But then it's also one of those things where the, the Bulls and Billy Donovan and, and the front office can say, hey, no, we're going to stand back with what we have. We're good, but we're going to need a little more from our front court in terms of being able to be stronger defensively 
in terms of not getting in fouls and be able to rotate on those pick and roll situations. And this is the deepest team the Bulls has been since the Jordan era. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I can, yes and no. And to, to fully answer your question, I'm not going to give you two. I'll say no, because you got to remember those Derrick Rose years with the bench mob. Like they had some pieces on that team where they would be plugged in like a Ronnie Brewer or Kyle Korver. Um, Keith Bogans had his time coming off the bench. Um, there was so many guys that were able to plug in. Taj Gibson, another yeah. guy during his time with the Bulls that I was on, I was campaigning that he should be a starter, but I understood his role coming off the bench and how important that was for that group. So I think this is the deepest Bulls team since the Derrick Rose years when he was here and they were making those runs in the playoffs and being one of the top teams in the East in the NBA. And of course, D Rose win the MVP. So that era, I believe is, is, is really the, the last time we saw a Bulls team as deep or with more pieces, a little bit more pieces than we see with this Bulls team now. So lastly, do you think that the Bulls have a, have a strong shot of winning the championship? Ooh, uh, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say that because it's sports and anything can happen. Um, my concern with this team is that when they get to the playoffs and we know how the playoffs change, right? It's going to be more half court. You're not going to see a lot of up and down, which we've seen the Bulls thrive in um, this, this season. One thing that they have going for them is their efficiency shooting the ball from three. And they've been, if not at the top, but one of the better teams in the NBA uh, with their three-point percentage. Um, And that's on the least amount of attempts of any team in the NBA, which is phenomenal. So they have that going for themselves, but the playoffs change things. And you have teams like Brooklyn, you have Milwaukee, you have Miami. Their core, their group, has been together for at least a couple of years, right? They've made runs to either the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals or have won championships. So when the Bulls run into those situations in those series, I want to see how they operate. Is the moment going to be too big for this new group that's really gelled and joined together for their first season? Like even LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, you're talking about three. Well, you got two in the Hall of Fame now. And of course, LeBron is going to be a Hall of Famer. But three guys that couldn't win a championship in their first year in Miami. Right. So you got to put that in perspective with this Bulls run. So, again, I'm not going to say that they aren't aren't capable. They are capable. Anybody's capable. But it'll be a tough run to try and get through the East and then meet whoever ends up being in the championship from the Western Conference. So you got Golden State, who, in my opinion, could be there. It could be Phoenix, right? You never know what Denver and Utah are going to look like when that time comes. But um, if I had to put a percentage on them winning an NBA championship, right now it will probably be about 45 50% somewhere around there. Like I'm not, I'm just not sold yet. Right. There's too much regular season basketball to be played and so many things can change. And then you have the postseason. I'm just not sold right now that this is an NBA championship team right now, right now, as of January 13th, 2022, I'm not sold right now. Okay. All right. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Real, real briefly. Quick, like 30 second response. Hmm. 
Why do you believe DeMar DeRozan should be top five as a finalist for MVP? Numbers never lie. I mean, you look at what he's been able to do with this Bulls team. And my thing with these individual awards, whether it's defensive player of the year or most improved or six man, whatever individual award that is, you got to look at the team success, right? Team success should automatically get vote getters eyes looking at individual players and why this team is successful. So DeMar DeRozan's numbers are clear, right? We saw what he did. Um, almost a couple of weeks ago with becoming the first player in NBA history to hit back-to-back game winners on back-to-back nights. Like my man finished the year of 2021 with a game winner and started the year 2022 with a game winner. That's never probably going to ever happen in life in basketball. So I think if you think about his output, his efficiency, where the Bulls are in the East in the NBA, the top team in the East, one of the better teams in the NBA, he should be in that conversation of top five MVP vote getters or whatever you want to call them, he should be top five in that race because he's proven himself time and time again throughout the season. And what do what 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 do you have coming up for our audience to pay attention to? A lot, man, a lot. So uh, Stadium has some some new shows uh, cooking up right now. Of course, you can always catch me on Inside the Association with my guy Sean Sharania, the best in the business. Yes, I will say the best. I know some yeah. other people. Are- out there but Shams is doing work um and then we have Pat Garrity right uh former NBA pro that played in the league 10 years spent some time in NBA front offices I have a phenomenal phenomenal chemistry with those guys and we just you know have fun and and spit the facts about the NBA season so you can always catch that uh every week along with my other show inside the league where we're getting uh a lot more spicy with our conversations and our topics because it is playoff weekend so that's coming up but then also some new shows called live on the line that's going to premiere uh, at the end of this month in january that i'll be co-hosting with uh, danny kleppinger and also my man brad evans so i'm um, getting into the betting space and trying to win some people some money man so if we can win you some money man that's 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 the, that's the american dream right there right man let me get you some money man and help you out in your pockets exactly i need you to help my pockets out man i'm trying to win some money <laughs> hey, myself what? you gotta watch the show you gotta watch the show It'll be on monday through friday man 12 12 p.m eastern all right. Most definitely will, man. And where can everybody follow you, follow you on social media? Definitely. You can follow me at Cameron Smith. No Ian Cameron. C-A-M-R-O-N Smith. Uh, I'm all, that's my handle on all social media handles. So check me out there. And everybody, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter at Josh M. Hicks Media. Follow War Media, Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow this uh, my show and this show on YouTube as well, War Media. And all podcast platforms were on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you name it. We're all over the place. Cam, my guy, I thank you so much for taking the time. You know, I know you're a busy guy. You probably, yeah, and I know you have another engagement, but man, I thank you so much for coming on my show, giving us your insight and your feedback. And you know, I'm looking forward to all the, continue to see all the great things that you're doing, man, for real. That means a lot, Josh. I appreciate you, bro. Keep going. I'm always here, man. Thank you again for having me on the show. It's always fun. Most definitely. You have a good one. All right. You too, bro. All right.